Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We're going to have a great show for you today. Welcome aboard, folks. E2247, bienvenido. AVQ, bienvenido. El Señor Michael Rutnin. Anyhow, folks, we're going to have a great show for you today. Let's go ahead and start right off. I have an interview with a congresswoman, so let's go ahead and start these so that we can get to the interview shortly. Norman Reynolds, welcome to the program. Welcome to the program. Doctor, according to Michael Rodney, Dr. Fauci uh, from CNBC, Dr. Fauci says, U.S. faces an oncoming COVID Omicron surge as it grapples with jump, uh, as it grapples with jump in Delta cases. We are now facing a very important Delta surge and we are looking over our shoulder at an oncoming Omicron surge, Dr. Fauci said during a White House briefing on COVID. Clearly unvaccinated individuals are really at a high risk of serious involvement, including hospitalization. Due to this new strain, hospitalizations are up 20 to 50 percent, depending on location. Omicron has a much lower mortality rate, but if you get COVID, the great, greater risk spending weeks in the hospital, along with the massive bill as a follow-up, are still a doubly heavy toll to pay. Of course, they put our entire country in jeopardy because what they do is they take up all uh, hospital space for otherwise uh, for for illnesses that otherwise need to be treated. These people that don't get the vaccines, if they don't have some very specific reason, are selfish, and not only selfish, but they are causing harm to the country as a whole and causing destruction to the economy. Interestingly, the same people that want to, to do as they please, not wear masks, just wear vaccines, are the ones who complain about the economy, etc., etc. It's a sad case. I, I, I think we are at the point now where uh, for those people that come into the hospital with COVID unvaccinated, that the level of care they get should be whatever is left over from care otherwise afforded people that are there for their mammograms and their, their, their all, all these different things that they need. I think it is time for those who decide that they know best, that they will follow the charlatanes to, uh, to get these types of drugs that makes no sense it's time for them to you know live to live to what they deserve it's about that time over 91 percent of democrats vaccinated while only 60 percent of republicans have taken one shot data reveals results republicans are being hospitalized and are dying from covid at over three times the rate that democrats are yet republicans don't seem to care until it happens to them and by then vaccination is too late to matter you know, it, it is why uh, I think I heard Joanne Reed call the Republican Party the party of death. And they are living up to the name. And, you know, we're talking about the leadership of the party who is migrating that failed belief system to their pew. Sad, sad, sad. I've never seen anything like the unrelenting assault on the right to vote, Joe Biden said. This new sinister combination of voter suppression and election subversion is un-American. While I hope that Biden and the Democrats can stabilize or backslide in democracy, they can't lose focus from the absolute critical Build Back Better legislation. We now face three great challenges against democracy, the pandemic, global warming, and we choose to only address one or two out of three. Look, uh, that is a part that's disappointing about Biden. This, what he's talking about, oh, with this stuff about the democracy and voting rights, etc., this is not new. We've been talking about this from before 
the election. We understood what was going on. What did they think? That we were just pulling this crap out of the air? That this undemocratic thing that occurred in 2016 was not going to continue? That somehow a party who knows they don't have policies that, it, that, that people support would try by any means necessary to win? We know that. So, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the leadership in the Democratic Party need to get their heads out of their you-know-where and start looking at things the way they really are. Understand that, okay, these, these senators that don't want to break the filibuster, they're really not Democrats, so we have to play ball with them. I understand that. But start looking for senators and start looking for people who are, and start speaking the language of progressivism. Start speaking to people and telling them what they're going to do for them. And start telling people that in this next election, whether we get Build Back better the way we want it or not, we'll do the best we can with what we have. But please give us, give us politicians that are going to do the job. Give us politicians that are going to serve the people, like the politician that I'm about to play right now. Give us politicians that really want to go out there and serve. And not serve the plutocracy, but serve the people. Truck driver sentenced to 110 years for deadly crash stemming from brake failure, even though everyone agrees it's unreasonable. If I had the discretion, it would not be my sentence, Colorado District Court Judge Bruce Jones admitted. In an interview with police and through a translator, Aguilera Madero said he lost control of the vehicle after noticing his brakes were failing, but that he has on, had only traveled at 45 miles per hour at the time. The downhill grade increased his speed as he entered Lakewood. He said he didn't want to drive off the road for fear of rolling the semi, so he tried to maneuver to the right shoulder and avoid stopping uh, traffic in I-70, according to the affidavit, but he saw the shoulder was blocked by another semi, so he swerved left back into the lanes of slow uh, ongoing traffic for a, from a previous crash at I-70 and Ward Road and closed his eyes, according to the affidavit. The crash, which occurred around 4.50 p.m., caused a massive blaze in the eastbound lanes near Colorado Parkway, imprisoned for an accident that could hardly be avoided. This is so sad. Um, I've got to read more about that. I don't understand how one could really pay that price for an accident. I'm sorry, I don't get it. AVQ says, I'm watching from uh, Twitch. Great, thank you. Uh, AVQ also says, never mind. Restream bot is working. Michael Rodden, E2247. Hi there. E2247, welcome aboard. Norman Reynolds, welcome aboard. E2247 says, grappling with rising food prices this year. Meat and veggies particularly expensive, and 2022 prices will increase their goods. This is all because of those with price and power. I think it is time for us to just say, let's make a deal, people. Let's teach them a lesson. We taught them a lesson when the pandemic started by not buying oil, not buying gasoline. And when we did that, the price of oil went to zero. In other words, they had to pay people to take the oil off the market. They had to pay people to take the oil. It went negative. We need to, we need to start showing some people power but working together to do so. Stop eating meat for a month. You'll, your, your waistline will go down, your cholesterol will go down, everything will get better. Stop eating meat one, one week and teach these plutocrats that control the supply that what we can do is we can hurt them where it hurts, the green. And then if they, they increase prices somewhere else, we stop it there as well. 
Welcome aboard, Maywood. Maywood says, Maywood is with us. Maywood is in the house. Hello, all. So far, so we are back to the regular time. Yes, we are back to the regular time. And that you don't know we're back to the regular time is my fault. It tells me that I have not been sufficiently uh, uh, sufficiently indicative that this is where we are. New Senate parliamentarian says no to put in protections for immigrant communities into Build Back Better legislation. It is time to have the vice president overrule the Senate parliamentarian. I mean, we have too many, too many Democratic people that have no difference in their philosophy as the reigning GOP. It is time to change that. Folks, if you are on YouTube, please give us that thumbs up. If you are on, uh, let's say, uh, Facebook, give us that like. But come on and give us that support, please. Make sure that we can continue getting the performance on these platforms. Okay, without further ado, let me give you to Mademoiselle Jasmine Crockett. But actually, let me, let me preface this. I want to say something nice about this politician. We made an appointment several times, and we had to uh, we had to change it several times because once my, I, I told her my daughter was going to a uh, had to go to a Christmas party. We had the wrong date, and given I wanted to make sure, like I'm here to take care of my daughter, so that takes preeminence over anything else. So I went ahead and I said, "Okay, uh, let's go ahead and uh, reschedule." And we, you know. We, we, we were attempting to reschedule at the time that we found out the party changed. I went ahead and called her and said, hey, we can still do it on, on, on Thursday. She said, okay, we can do it at Thursday night. In other words, after she campaigns and do all her stuff in Central Texas. And I said, great. So we set it up for 10 o'clock Eastern time, 9 o'clock. And, you know, it was a while before. It was, it was, she was kind of late, but it's understood because she was doing a whole lot of other stuff. But my thing here is this. There are a lot of politicians who just blow things off. They don't care about, you know, they only care about who's giving them money and those are the ones who will get, you know, they'll, they'll pay for an interview, they'll do all this kind of stuff. And she went ahead and she said, uh, no matter what, she's trying to serve the people. So I thought that, what well, I work with a lot of politicians and I tell you, uh, when she makes adjustments to you know, to mitigate otherwise, I think it speaks about the character that she'll bring to the to the House, to the House of Representatives in D.C. But anyhow, let's go ahead and play this interview, and then we'll take it thereafter. Let's see. Let's get busy right now. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Run. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Today, we have the honor again of speaking to Representative Jasmine Crockett from Texas, District House 100, who is now running for Texas 30, the one and only represent, one represented, represented by Eddie Bernice Johnson, who endorsed her. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, how are you? I'm doing fine. I know you've had a hell of a day today. Thank you for being here and spending the time with us today. I have a few questions for you uh, that we want to go forward. Uh, first of all, 
what got you into the the national race after doing such a hell of a job in the state uh, in the state this year? You know, I, I feel like I wake up every morning asking that same question. <laughs> I know. Um, no, you know, we fought so hard on the state level and all of our fights ended up on the federal level. Um, and right now we are in litigation over so many things that happened on the state level and we're in that litigation on the federal level. And honestly, our federally elected officials, they have the power to effectuate change. Um, not only in this country, but definitely in the state of Texas. And so after working with a congresswoman on some things, um, you know, she made it clear that she was ready to retire, but that's something she had been saying for at least a decade. Yes. And so, you know, I was like, okay, like I was just listening. Um, this wasn't me asking, this wasn't me trying to move her along. You know, I was happy to defend, 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 and be on the defense. And I fought so hard to get my seat that I really didn't know that I wanted to fight again. Um, I knew that it was going to be a packed race because the seat has only been occupied by her since it was um, created. And so for me, I was like, I love my district. My district is just kind of getting into the swing of things with me. And I just was like, I don't want to leave them. Now, obviously, if I live in her district and my district, then, you know, there's a lot of overlap. Right. Um, not my complete district, but, you know, after you work to build these relationships, it's hard to think, let me start and build new ones and, and more. And so I, I just didn't know. Um, and I got a call from a supporter of mine and he said, what you need to recognize is you'll at least have an opportunity to be on the offense. In Texas, you're going to constantly be on defense. And so if you want to really get the types of bills passed that you really want passed, I can't tell you when you'll be on the offense, but at least things shift on a national level. They don't shift in Texas. And that really stuck with me. And I thought, this is my opportunity to do more than deflect but to actually get progressive policies passed. And that was really a turning point for me in deciding to run. Now, you just, you just made a statement. You said to get progressive policies passed. Are you uh, going to be running here in Texas and, as an unabashed progressive? Or maybe not those words, but simply <laughs> letting people know what you want to offer them? Right. So, in fact, um, the interview I just did, I was explaining that my record speaks for itself, you know, the, like no one can come up against my record and act like there's any deficiencies in my record or act like my record is anything less than progressive. And there are people in this race that are running as theoretical progressives, right? Like right. it's all fun and games until you're really in the game and we don't know how you will really govern. Well, I have governed in a very progressive way. Now, my district itself, we are not uh, Travis County, right? So it ain't Austin. Right. <laughs> um, so in 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 certain words, don't necessarily like work, but my policies work. Mm -hmm. So we will focus on my policies because my district loves my policies. Um, but I don't know how they'll feel about certain words, right? So if I'll be going around and knocking on a door and saying, I'm a progressive, probably not. No. Um, they actually love to hear that I'm a Democrat. That's right. what they want to hear. They want to hear that I'm a Democrat. And it's it's really um, it's really kind of a, I would say, an age thing, so to speak, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's a generational thing. 
Um, my district, the core voters are going to be older African-Americans. They don't know nothing about what a progressive is. Mm-hmm. They know what a Democrat is. And that's what they want to hear. And so I tell them I'm a Democrat, which I am. And then I talk to them about the the work that I think is important. And those those things are actually progressive things, right? Um, so I don't know that I'll be like, oh, progressive, 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 which we have all these people in my race that are running and they're like, progressive, progressive, progressive. And there's somebody that definitely is to the right. <laughs> and so that person wants to kind of use that to kind of scare some people. So um, I'm going to run as Jasmine, who's a Democrat. Um, and I'll talk to you about my policies. No, I think you have the most name recognition right now based on, and, and not only that, but you have the real important endorsement. Now, how, how was your district redrawn with the uh, new gerrymandered state of Texas? Did, did they... Did they pack more people in your district What did, in, in District 30 or what did they do? Yeah, so District 30 was um, the most unchanged district in the state. Okay. Um, and even though that was the case, they definitely used District 30 to do some illegal nonsense. Um, so to the west of District 30 is District 6. Mm-hmm. That's a district that Trump only carried by three points. And my classmate, uh, Jake Elzey, actually won that seat in a special election over the summer. And so that seat was so tight in a real election, it may have been lost. Right. Um, special election is a little different, but in a regular election, it potentially was going to be lost. And so what they did is it was only three counties uh, within it. Um, you had Tarrant County, Ellis County, and Navarro County. And now there's somewhere between seven and nine counties. So they really um, picked out the people. Oh, man. And what they did is um, in the very diverse portion of Tarrant County, they decided to cut those people up. So they left a few people in there. They put some of the people over and they took about 50,000 of the people and put them over into Eddie Bernice Johnson's seat. And then what they did is on the eastern side of the district, they took those minorities and brought Colin Allred, who had never gone south of 30. Right. Never gone south of 30. And they took Colin Allred's district and they drug him down and they had him grab up those minorities um, on the eastern side of the district. So they used the district, right? Mm -hmm. The district was overpopulated by approximately 30,000 people. So all she really needed to do was shed. She didn't need to get new people. She just needed- Right, To get rid of some of- And they knew where they were going to put those people. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. no, go ahead. Yeah, well, uh, l- let's go ahead before we move on to policy and ask about uh, w- how did you win her endorsement that quickly? Because it seems to me like what that's going to do is that's going to freeze out a whole lot of people, especially if you have a talking about a whole lot of older people in there. She has a character in that district. So it's, it's hard to believe that a lot of the people aren't going to follow her, follow her lead, if you will. Oh, yeah. I, I think that um, it's the most powerful endorsement that one could have mm-hmm. is to have um, someone that, you know, has been elected or in some form of um, public service for the last 50 years. So, I mean, there are people that, I mean, they've been voting for her their entire lives. Right. And they trust her. And so it's, it's absolutely going to be paramount. But I'll tell you that I earned her endorsement by doing the work. Um, you know, there, there have been people for years calling her, asking her, you know, when are you going to retire? Will you endorse me? I can tell you uh, that I never asked her to endorse me. 
not once. Um, we didn't really talk about me potentially. She, there were a few conversations where she said, oh, you know, you know, when you go to Congress one day, like she would say things, but I never said those things. Um, these were things that, that she said and people don't know how hard she works. And so while most people don't stream the House floor, don't stream committee meetings, she did. Mm -hmm. So here it is. She would stream and see what was going on in the Texas House. And so um, she watched me. Unbeknownst to me, you never know who's you never know who's watching. You never know, um, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and you know, I think that there were those people that thought that this this was a superficial endorsement, right? That this was about the fact that I was the young thing that was on TV, and those are people that don't know her. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, she is fifty years in the game because she is politically savvy, and so the real story is that she watched me, um, and she asked people about me, and we worked together in redistricting. And so she was able to better understand how I think, how hard I work. Um, and, and that's what mattered most to her. She said she didn't want anybody that looked at this and didn't think that it was a job. They needed to understand that this was real work. And she even mentioned that when I ran for this seat, everyone was against me. And she said, and I saw that you work to get the people. And that's the only, only thing that matters is the people. And so she even brought up that, the fact that I was able to overcome all of the, the opposition and to win. And I won only because of the people, not because of money, not because of big names, but because I did the work. Well, I mean, I think anybody who's watched you over the last year alone, you're a freshman in the state house. And I think uh, being a leader as a freshman in the first house speaks a lot. You did a whole lot when you went out there to Washington to keep a lot of them folks together. And I think you went ahead, if I remember correctly, you led the pack. You went ahead of everybody else before they got to Washington, D.C., right? I was ahead of everyone, but uh, that was so I could break the news, but that's a whole other issue. But yeah, yeah. I, I, remember the, I remember that whole story. But anyhow, let's talk policy. Um, what is Jasmine Crockett going to bring as, as uh, Congresswoman Jasmine Crockett uh, to the House? Uh, first of all, we need the youth Two, we have some other stuff that we need to make sure of. So let me hear it. Yeah, so, um, you know, I think I'm gonna bring a lot of what I brought to the to the state house, right? Um, I filed more marijuana bills than anybody else. Um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily, no one would necessarily have to file those bills if we could get this passed on a federal level. So that's definitely going to be something that I'll be um, very active in because when you look at the numbers of who's being incarcerated, and you look at the numbers of who's becoming millionaires and billionaires, um, it's it's a problem. And so it's something that I'm very passionate about from a criminal justice reform stance, from a systemic, um, you know, uh, issue stance, from, from kind of an equity stance overall. I think that um, we need to, to clear up a lot of the missteps and a lot of the harm and hurt that's been caused. Um, in this country um, due to the over-policing and over-incarceration of minorities when it comes to um, marijuana. So I'll definitely be leading the way on marijuana policies. Um, as, a, as a civil rights lawyer, um, this is where I really get to actually get into things like qualified immunity. Um, on the state level, I was trying to minimize the number of contacts that people would have with law enforcement in general. And 
make it to where people didn't necessarily go to jail for a low level nonviolent, um, you know, misdemeanors and even certain felonies, right? Um, to minimize how many contacts we had, right? And so that was like a backdoor way of trying to get at some of the um, re police reforms. And so this is an opportunity to kind of deal with them head on. Um, this is an opportunity for us to actually start talking about how do we um, create this national database so that we fully understand who the bad guys are, right? Which bad cops are out there instead of just letting them go from one agency to another. Um, and so, you know, those are things that have always been me. Um, the things that I never thought that I would have to fight, the things that are probably um, leading issues for me at this moment have to do with voting rights, um, which is our very democracy, right? Uh, it's something I feel like I sound like a broken record on um, because I've been screaming and yelling from the top of my lungs about it. And, you know, I, I want to see what are the creative ways that we can maybe get something passed. Because right now, doing it head on with having the majorities hasn't worked, right? So I want to learn all of the rules and the nuances on the federal level and figure out if there's a way I can start sneaking things into certain things, right? Like, can I add something to a bill? Like, you know, figuring out how to get over the parliamentarian. The parliamentarian um, caused the issue for people today, right? And so, you know, those are things that you learn on the House level like or the, the state level, and just kind of figuring that out on the federal level so that we can start getting some kind of relief. Is there a way to tack this to any money, right? Like, I want to know these things. Like, if you don't do this, can I like keep some of your money? Like, all those kinds of things. Obviously, um, you can't talk about voting rights without talking about redistricting. It's all kind of tied in. I want to expand the court um, because frankly, we had a seat that was stolen or two. And the way that this court is operating is less than um optimal as far as everything that we know about written politically yeah not as a yeah. court politically exactly um so you know i want to expand the court i want to make sure that we work on repo rights right um so i was really excited to see that the fda approved kind of this national um uh, ability to to get an abortion pill without actually having to walk in and do an appointment. Um, it'll be interesting because I, I want to read through all of it and compare it to the legislation that went through during the special session that nobody talks about because we've been so stuck on the first bill, but that was about uh, limiting the number of weeks in which someone could actually receive abortion pills uh, through the mail. So I think it can't be more than seven weeks or something. So I want to read through kind of the two and see how they mesh up. Um, it's obviously difficult to enforce the Texas law. So, you know, who knows what you get in the mail and why, right? Um, and when. So, you know, that'll be kind of that part. So I, I think we'll be in decent shape. So I'm, I'm happy, but that was a workaround. That was a workaround for a country that uh, has a government that's failing them. Um, and so I, those are the things that I think I'll be tasked with is, is figuring out these workarounds to make sure that we are doing more protecting than harming. Let me tell you one thing. Um, uh, you, you mentioned about being able to do things on the federal level. One of the reasons that uh, we can't get things on the federal level is that we don't have enough people who are unabashedly aggressive in the policies they support and know exactly how to go against the opposition uh, without fear. 
Yeah. And one of the things I think you're admired for throughout the country and, you know, why, why the news media seem to be pulling you over all of the times is because that is the fact that you're not scared to really confront the way many Democrats seem to be fearful in the way they confront the right. Um, I hope, I hope that we get more uh, Jasmine Crockett's running because what we need in 2022 is a hell of a lot more. Joe Manchin said something that, that, that got to me and he said the following, I want to hear your response about it. He said, if, and I know you went and you met with him as well, but he said, um, if, if progressives want their policies, elect more progressives. Interestingly, of those 50 senators, 48 senators want the, uh, the bill back better bill and wants all the bills that, you know, the progressives uh, so far in, in Congress are supporting. So he's saying near 50% is not enough. So we need a hell of a lot more of the Jasmine Crockett. So tell me what you think about that. And how are you going to look? You're, let, let me first say you're going to win your seat. Um, and by the way, the last person who said the last person I told that to was uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez when I interviewed her at, at um, Netroots Nation. And she smiled with her innocent self when she was four years back. That was four years back. <laughs> and uh, she didn't only win, but she beat the guy who was supposed to be Speaker of the House, replacing Nancy Pelosi. So what I'm telling you, Jasmine, is you're going to be winning the, the, the House district. What do you think about bringing more progressives along with you? Yeah, so I think we've got a shot. Um, you know, it's crazy to say something like that in Texas, but I do. I think that we've got a shot. I think Greg Kassar um, is really making waves. And I think that he's doing a, a great job. I think that the district he's running in is the perfect district for um, his personality. And I think he will probably be the most outspoken. I really do. Mm -hmm. um, and then Jessica Cisneros, um, you know, she's running. <laughs> yes, she's running against, you know, Henry Cuellar. And it's interesting because that's a that that's a district that is down at the border, you know, and, and so it's the border district, things get tricky down there. Mm -hmm. um, and so it'll, I'll be interested to see because obviously the lines changed as well, right? And so there are definitely people that have never met Cuellar, mm -hmm. right? Like they're new people. And so it'll be interesting, but it, it gets tricky. So um, I've not been down to see kind of how Jessica runs like on the ground, right? Um, because that area is a lot more conservative, right? It's like, a cultural, it's a Latino cultural yeah. thing. And yeah. I, yesterday I interviewed uh, Manuel Pastor uh, from uh, University of uh, California, Southern, University of Southern California, who expressed how progressives need to reach um, Latinos, you know, the conservative Latinos that you're talking about, because they're uh, socially conservative, but very much want all the progressive, what progressives have to offer. So I hope, I hope uh, your friends really looking into that type of campaigning down there. Yeah, so um, it, it, it'll be interesting, because I don't know how she's going to deal with that. You know, it's, it's been really um, an interesting time kind of talking to the progressive orgs mm -hmm. as I'm going through this because I'm basically like, chill out, guys. Like, you have my record. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think another article came out today um, I, that I'm trying to read. I got a Google alert from San Antonio Express that was like, 
it called, you know, Greg a democratic socialist. And then it said, you know, the headline was like democratic socialist Greg Kassar and like the most liberal um, member of the Texas House, right? Like <laughs> there's an article that talks about the two of us, right? And so I'm like, it's anybody can tell you what you want to hear. Right. Which happens. Like they say one thing and they do another. Um, but at the end of the day, it is about how they govern. And so I, so my big deal is the proof is in the pudding, but I know my district better than somebody from the outside. Right. I know what works in my district. And so, um, you know, it'll be interesting. And I'm hoping that Jessica knows her district um, because, you know, a lot of the, the issues that, you know, we have kind of generally with like some of the votes have to do with, you know, not supporting, supporting like repro rights, right? right? Like that's a, but down there, you know, it probably plays well. I mean, we just lost a colleague in the house who was down, um, down South and he became a Republican and Trump immediately endorsed him. Right. And he also, he was a Democrat, but he had voted with the Republicans on guns. He voted with the Republicans when it came to repro issues. Like, he was voting against us. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's about knowing your districts because at the end of the day, you know, if you're going to represent your area, you got to represent your area. Exactly so, right. so I think that getting more progressives is possible. I just think it's about how we package this and how we That's sell it. Magic. That's yeah, I think, magic. yeah, because we're still Texas and you know, all it takes is Republicans kind of jumping on a bandwagon and making something seem like it's so scary and ridiculous. And then we're out of there and, and we don't accomplish our goals. So I I think we need to package things and allow like real progressives to have an actual track record to let them package themselves in the way that works for their district. Well, you're absolutely right. And I, I like what you said about telling progressives at times they need to know when to chill. And that's uh, some of what we work on. Well, anyway, Representative Crockett, please, uh, last question that I always ask, what would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I guess uh, ask me if I'm saying, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's, a, it's a constant struggle, um, you know, just to kind of do what, what really I think every public servant should do, which is really just fight for the people, right? And, and this idea that we have people in office that ignore how they got there, ignore their, their responsibility um, to the people. And so I've become frustrated with the federal government. I think a good vast majority of like same people in this country are frustrated. And I would just say that more real people need to consider kind of making the sacrifice and running for office. Um, I think you should do your background and make sure you know what the office does and and uh, make sure you study and get ready. But I, I think that's what we need. I think we need to move beyond kind of this cronyism that is crippling us. Jasmine Crockett. State Representative District 100, now running for candidate for Congressional District 30. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you.
Well, I hope you like that, folks. Um, I, I tell you what, uh, the, the, best, the best question, actually, was the question she asked herself. And I love that answer that she answered to her own question, which was, why don't politicians just realize they're there to serve? They're there to serve the pew. They're there to serve the people. And secondly, the other part of the answer that she gave is more people going out there and putting themselves on the line to serve. I'm looking at Linda Curtis in the field right now. Linda, maybe it's time for you to serve as well as a politician. You're doing great work ensuring the independence of the vote. Uh, welcome aboard, Linda Curtis. Welcome aboard, Chain Binney. Welcome aboard, para ver quien más está aquí. Michael Rodden is still here. Welcome aboard, Carl Cox. Paul Fleming says ATL check-in in. Thank you so kindly for being here. E2247TX30 for Jasmine Crockett. So exciting. She has the name recognition. She also has the endorsement of the person who holds the seat right now. And she didn't go out to seek the job in the first place. I think that is commendable. Cori Bush, does she believe to be similar to Cori Bush? Yes, she is. In my opinion, that is. I'll leave that. That's answer that she should be answering herself. Uh, let's see. Um, Maywood says, hello, you're back at regular time. Yes, I am. I also, uh, now Senate parliamentarian says no to put in protections for immigrant communication. Yes, it's time for the vice president to come in and say no, we are going to keep that in the bill. Linda Curtis says, Austin ain't Austin anymore. It's for rich people. The working class has done left. Wow, that is sad because I went to school at the University of Texas Austin and I always remember Austin as being weird and always having those, yeah, there were always places that were very expensive, but I could always find the places to live cheap and a lot of other people to live cheap. And it was a kind of cheap living where you live like a nomad. You know, I remember living my nomad days in Austin. That actually, it's not even nomad. It's almost like, uh, what is that word? Uh, um, like, like, like a, it's not a, not a hobo either, you know? Uh, rent. You remember that musical called Rent? What were those people called again? Um, whatever, I can't remember the, the, the term that's used for them. If I remember it, I'll tell you. Michael Rudnan says, individual progressive policies have supermajority polling support, but when you look at progressives as a whole, we lose 10, 20 points on those same polls. The propaganda against change for the better that will tangibly improve people's lives is real, and we have to remember a lot of that propaganda is coming as well from those who purport to be on the left. Daniel Ado says, LOL, love the question. Are you going to be honest about how radical you are on you're going to hide it. Best interview ever question. No, that's not what I asked. I asked her if, in effect, is she going to have to explain what she stands for? Because you on the right have so corrupted one definition that, <laughs> that one has to explain the policies that they are going to put in the fold for you. Michael run into Daniel Lado. You need a trip to Europe to see what radical left really looks like. Is Jasmine in concert with Corey? I think, like I said earlier, I think she is. Daniel Lado says, all right, to Daniel Lado, listen to Michael Rudden. Have a trip to Europe. Bernie is conservative to Europeans, very much so, because what, there are a lot of stuff that we would like to see more of that we won't. Anti-vaccine and anti-mask uh, zealots 
or now threatening mothers and their children of, over vaccines and masks at various sites. They claim individuals, including children, are a threat to their freedom. Carl Cox says that. E2247, Egberto, thanks for hearing Jasmine and her position. Love Jasmine. I've been following her for a long time. In fact, I was following her before all the news media really thought that she was a gem because I saw that early, early on, just like I saw it with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And you know, the people, you know, there, there's a certain you know, sais quoi that some people have that you understand that based on that you know, sais quoi, they'll actually catch fire. That's what happened with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez when nobody knew her. That's what happened. That's what has begun to happen with Jasmine Crockett as well. Michael Rudnan says the drug war has always been unequal in force. The drug war was targeted against minorities and the anti-war left from the start. True. Uh, going to silent mode. May Wood is, has a lot of stuff to do, I guess. ATL checking in. Carl Cox, Texas, like Georgia, has enacted laws that makes it possible for the Republican-controlled state legislators to throw out votes. So the Republicans control the state government and the federal government. Again, it's not a democracy. They like to preach democracy, but they don't believe in democracy. Yep, they'll label you a democratic socialist or a social democrat and almost never talk about what you actually want to do as part of those labels. And that is where I say, and that's where Jasmine has been very smart. Get away from the labels, go out and start telling people what you're going to do for them. Uh, Maywood says, well, if anyone wants to listen at the door or window, I guess they are welcome. <laughs> All right, Linda Curtis says, you are a jewel, Representative Crockett. And let's say Linda Curtis, when I, when I invited Linda Curtis to run for Congress, she says, oh, Lordy, I am way over 40. I'm working to help others run, but you never know. You never know. Roberto Lewis, saludos, mi gente. Politics done right. Roberto is in the house. Daniel Ledeau says Maywood and most Democrats used to be racist and KKK members. Yeah, they all became Republican. Take a look at all the senators and congresspeople that decided what the transition in the Democratic Party effected and started by Johnson would make them turn to a party that would more likely be enthralled with racists. And that's how we got all those folks leaving the Democratic Party. The Dixiecrats left the Democratic Party and became the powerhouse behind the Republican Party. You see, it's, it, that is why it's so important, Daniel Ledeau, to know history. Because you will find yourself making a comment like, the KKK originated with the Democrats, which would be a true statement. But the part that you missed was, and when the Democratic Party changed, they all migrated to the Republican Party. You should also note that the Emancipation Proclamation was signed by a Republican president. Likewise, the, uh, the voting rights bill and, and, and civil rights had a lot of help from progressive Republicans. And I've always said that. I'm not trying... I see, I don't believe in this party thing. I believe I'm with the party who will allow us to get the policies that we want through at that instant in time whoever that party is. I am not about parties. I'm about getting things done. Melanie Nealon says, squatters. Uh, Michael Rudnan says, Daniel Ado, you are repeating zombie lies again. Democrats and Republicans flipped over civil rights in 1968. Why did I? I didn't even have to answer. My posse knows the answers. 
Linda Curtis says, it's the surrounding counties that are more like old Austin, but this won't last long without bringing on policies to make growth pay for itself. I agree. Yeah, Leander and all those other surrounding areas, uh, Leander and, and, uh, and um, Georgetown and New Bransville, all these other places still hold that, you know, Sequoia up to five years ago when I went to, I guess, the Guadalupe River to hang out. Uh, Linda Curtis says run, or rather, Linda Curtis, run for county commissioner or clerk or school board, please. Daniela Doe says, LOL, Michael, you make a lot of assumptions. What makes you think? I have not been to Europe. That's true. He assumed you didn't. Well, maybe what he assumed is that if you had gone to Europe, maybe there's not much you learned having gone to Europe. Daniel Ledo says, that's just a straight-up lie, Egberto. There was no flip. That's not a lie. Read history. Daniel Ledo, Mark Twain, travel is fatal to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness, and many of our people need it sorely on these accounts. Broad, wholesome, charitable views of men and things cannot be acquired by vegetating in one little corner of the earth all one's lifetime. I mean, if we traveled and understood what infrastructure looked like in places we like to call third world countries, go to my city, Panama City, you would not believe you're in a third world country. In fact, the underground cable goes there and many talk, many houses, many our call centers have now decided, oh, we can relocate to places like Panama. Amazing, right? Anyhow, let's go to our first video. Elizabeth Warren uh, showed, uh, made, made the point to show the charlatanes that are the billionaires, the people that are living on the dole, the ones that are really living on the dole are not those people getting food stamps or that little bit of money. It's the ones that are really pilfering us for billions. Billions. I want you to take a look at this and then we'll take it on the other side. Time Magazine has named Elon Musk Person of the Year, which is actually an insult to any number of people who should have been named Person of the Year because Elon Musk is, I mean, he's the worst. His company, Tesla's trillion-dollar market value, well exceeds its revenue. It only reached its first full-year profitability last year. has long relied on sales of emissions credits to keep its bottom line afloat and was nearly and was recently ordered to pay more than $100 million for a racist, hostile work environment. But this year, Musk leapfrogged the other billionaire space cadet, Amazon's Jeff Bezos, becoming the world's richest person. He's also opposed to the Democrats' Build Back Better bill that would help women and children and families. And he wants to get rid of all government subsidies, like the ones that helped him build his empire. But Musk isn't just the world's richest person. He's one of the most thin-skinned people on social media. And this week, he tried to come for Senator Elizabeth Warren, who tweeted, let's change the rigged tax code so that the person of the year will actually pay taxes and stop freeloading off everyone else. I mean, the senator is correct. This year, ProPublica got receipts. Its investigation found that in 2018, Musk paid nothing in federal income taxes and less than $70,000 in 2015 and 2017. Well, Elon wasn't happy, so he did what he always did and stomped his little feet and insulted Senator Warren, calling her an angry mom and referring to her as Senator Karen. So for so many reasons, being a freeloader, and a selfish and disrespectful one. And for misappropriating black vernacular for misogynistic purposes, Elon Musk is the absolute worst. 
Meanwhile, Senator Warren has better things to do than fight with Junior Birdman on Twitter. And in Boston Globe, in a Boston Globe op-ed, Senator Warren called for expanding the Supreme Court by four or more seats, writing that the current court threatens the democratic foundations of our nation. Senator, I'm going I'm to go ahead and uh, let, let me let me first play Pramila Jayapal because Congressman Pramila Jayapal and Congressman Sh- and Senator Sherrod Brown. Here was their thoughts on Elon Musk being Person of the Year. Take a look. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you what they said. Uh, it says it's time for Elon Musk to pay his fair share in taxes. Uh, Sherrod Brown said a billionaire who's been found guilty of illegal union busting by the National Labor Relations Board should probably not be Times Person of the Year. So those were their thoughts. I, I want to just give you an opportunity to respond to Elon Musk attacking you on social media. <laughs> you know, the world's richest freeloader evidently has a very thin skin. But you know the part that really makes me angry about this? It's on behalf of every public school teacher, every waitress, every computer programmer, every street cleaner who actually paid taxes. And that means they paid more than Elon Musk did in federal income taxes. And that's just not right. And it means the system is broken. I, I, along with many others, am trying to fix that. But the days when these guys not only get to rake it all in, but then rub everybody else's nose in it while they head off into outer space and declare how they did this all on their own when they were subsidized by the federal government and subsidized by every waitress and by every public school teacher who paid their taxes. This is wrong. And Elon Musk needs to eat a big dish of that. He needs to probably use his big money and buy himself some self-esteem because apparently he gets sad when people say mean things about him being not paying taxes. Um. Yeah, he gets mad because when you really go ahead and say, hey, Elon Musk, you are a freeloader, not because you have billions, not because you're the richest person in the world, mean much. It means is that you stole it. And people say, well, how did you steal it? He worked for it. No, he didn't. You know, uh, that, that, that America justifies legal theft using the financial sector doesn't make it any more moral or make it any more true on, or may, uh, that, that somehow he made it on his own. He made it from the work and worth of everybody else. Remember that. You know, for those who have this unfettered love for the rich person, for those who have unfettered love, for those who have somehow used our economic system to get ahead, remember, there are so many people out there that they are so devoted to their craft. They are so devoted to engineering. They are so devoted to science. They are so devoted to social issues, helping people. They don't sit down and figure out, hey, I can turn capital gains by using the capital gains from doing X, Y, and Z, I can multiply my income at a faster rate than inflation. Or by creating a collar, a financial instrument, I can create structures that minimize my loss but maximize what I'm going to win because I can do that. I take my effort in figuring out the financial structures within a capitalist society to make a bunch of money. And then the others are out there saying, I just want to help people. I just want to create products. I just want to do all these great things to help people to forward science, to do all these things. And somehow we glorify those who use a a feature in a financial system, in an economic system, a a fraudulent economic system to get wealthy. And they're the ones that we somehow respect 
That is how screwed up our educational system is that we don't know how to evaluate where worth is. And we are almost done with the show and I forgot to ask you guys to support the program. What's wrong with me? Please, folks, if you are listening right now, click that join button and please become a member of the PDR Posse. Become a part of Politics Done Right. It's not hard to do. Just go ahead and click that join button if you are on um, if you are on YouTube. If you're not on YouTube, if you're on any other network, please just go ahead and click politicsandright.com slash YouTube. I just placed it into the into the screen, politicsandright.com slash YouTube. Alternatively, you can support us on Patreon. That is politicsdoneright.com slash Patreon. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Uh, you can support us using PayPal. You can either do a one-time or you can decide that you want to do it uh, on, on a regular basis. That's politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal. politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal. Uh, you can get all our books at politicsdoneright.com slash books. politicsdoneright.com slash books. I guarantee you, you'll take a different look at our economic system after reading the truths that nobody tells us on mainstream media because, again, the people who keep them alive, the people who pay for that, that's what they do. Please, folks, also... If you're on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. If you're on Facebook, give us a like. If you're on anywhere else, whatever, however you can like, follow, do whatever. If you're on, on Twitter, go ahead and follow me, Egberto Willis, at Egberto Willis. Come on, give me about 10 more of those, uh, those, those thumbs up, please, on YouTube. Um, let's see. You can go to our store or get our hoodies. And by the way, our stores are all over, really. You can either use the store at... YouTube, or you can use our own store at politicsdoneright.com slash store, politicsdoneright.com slash store. We are very efficient users of the support that you provide us. As you all know by now, again, we produce a program with one person that is done that many other rags that do exactly what we're doing use three to five, some of them 10, 15 people. So please support us, politicsandright.com slash support is the all-encompassing way to support us. That, that has all the different avenues that you can use to support us, politicsandright.com slash support. Have a good one, AVQ. Uh, let me tell you something, folks. Uh, we are getting, getting ready to get to hell out of here. I want to wish you guys a wonderful, um, a wonderful weekend. Of course, you know, on Saturday and Sundays, I try to play the KPF, the two programs we do on KPFT. I rebroadcast them during the same hour of the program. I think it's 3 Central. I'll try to remember to set it all up today so that it's all automatic, but it will be shown live on our networks. Again, please support the program, and uh, please have a wonderful weekend. And remember, we can all make a difference. We can all make a difference. Don't let anybody make you feel impotent. Don't let anybody make you feel that it's, it's it, you know, I mean, that is what, let me do a one minute rant because I want to leave you guys with something, with, with an affirmation, with an urge. The system, the people who drive our system, the idea is to bust your, bust your, bust you 
emotionally in such a manner that you do not think you matter or that you cannot make a difference in our society. Things are cooked. If you listen to them talk about election 2022, progressives are going to lose everything we've gained in 2018 and 2020. We are going to lose it all. They have already cooked that in the books. Why? Nothing has happened yet. Or can't we go out there and let people know what we're going to do for them? Can't we go out there and say, if you elect us, this is what we intend to do? How can any of this be already a, a, a foregone conclusion? It cannot be. But they want you to believe that so that you can stay home, so that you can feel it's all lost. No, it's not. Make a difference. Forget about what they're saying. Oh, uh, it's going to be a bad year. It's going to be like 2010. It's going to be like 2010 if you behave like 2010. But if you decide that you're going to make a difference and if you empower others to make a difference, then we decide what 2022 is going to look like. And don't give up on your right-wing brothers and sisters. Talk to them. Talk to them. Open your minds to listen to them. I know sometimes it drives you crazy. Listen. Talk to them. Give them permission to spout whatever they want to spout and give them permission to support those who you support. Give them a place to land. That's what it's all about. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.